Shalom Aleichem Rabbi Isai, it's great to see you all. This is the closer shmuz of the first part of this year, Tavshin Pei Beis, and very excited that so many of you joined. It's a big schus for me to uh, see you once again and to share some final words of the, uh, the last day of the Zman with you. And I don't like quoting Gaiyish sources. Baruch Hashem, Klai Yisrael has enough Jewish sources, Rabbanim Gedailim, um, that we don't need to come on to any secular sources uh, when we're discussing Musr. But today I want to just start with a quote from a Gaiyish source, a famous American writer by the name of F. Scott Fitzgerald. Uh, you might be having flashbacks to an English uh, lit class. Um, he was a very famous writer, wrote very, very famous uh, novels. But he famously said once, there are no second acts in American lives. What exactly he means is, uh, there's a big machlegas achreinim about, but basically uh, the way that it's interpreted, the way that it's defined, is that he was of the opinion it seems that you don't get a second chance in life. It's very rare. It happens occasionally, but it's rare that, he says, an American life would have somebody that started off uh, very successful or a certain type of personality, and let's say they, uh, they at one point lost their fame, they lost their fortune, and then for them to have a comeback, for them to have a reinvention, for them to once again become great and have a second act, meaning to make a second, uh, a, a second reappearance, reemergence on the American scene, is very rare uh, that you find such a thing. There are no second acts in American lives. Of course, we know that it's not true. There are many... Uh, presidents that uh, failed and they came back to win and they even uh, there are some that are trying to come back again after they lost but and then there are many uh, sports stars that uh, that failed and then they came back to win the Super Bowl against all odds but this is his quote and I was wondering uh, if this is true in terms of Ashkafa satire what would the tyrus say about this when a person has fallen, when a person has fallen from grace, when a person has not achieved uh, a continuation of success as he had, is it possible for a person to ever come back, to remake themselves, to, uh, to once again rise from the ashes, even though that they have perhaps fallen, for whatever reason that they've fallen? Can a person become a goddle once he has fallen? I want to bring a very, very extreme example, an extreme proof to the fact that I believe that the Torah absolutely does believe that there are second acts in people's lives. The most nefarious personality that we encounter in the Torah is Paramelech Mitzrayim. Paramelech Mitzrayim was, uh, he was just a, a perfect a person that just embodied evil. If you'd have to create a character that has, uh, that has just uh, nothing but diabolical schemes up his sleeve to try to subvert Klal Yisrael, to try to do in everything that's good and holy about our people, it would be harder to find uh, a, a more made-for-TV character than Paray. Paray is... Uh, he's the embodiment of evil. He's evil incarnate. And Parai, according to some, is actually the Eitzahara. There are people that, uh, there are Svarim HaKadoshim that write that, in fact, Parai was none other than the Eitzahara. So it would be very hard to say that Parai uh, reinvented himself in any which way. Pare is Pare. Pare is just a bad guy who drowned in the sea. He had, uh, he had his moment of glory, he had his moment of fame and fortune, 
He was the most powerful man in the world. Yosef HaTzadik came and, and sort of uh, took him out of failure and, and brought him to, uh, to a great success, if you hold that. This was the same power that existed in Yosef's times. But anyway, he was the king of Egypt. The king of Egypt was the most powerful man in the world. And he had nothing but contempt for Hashem and for Klal Yisrael. And he basically, uh, he suffered a terrible end. Everybody knows that Parai, in the end, chased after Klal Yisrael, this week's Parsha, Parsha's B'Shalach, Shabashira, And they all died, all of those 600 Egyptian, uh, the, most, uh, the most powerful the most elite forces in the Egyptian army came with Parai, and they all drowned. Nobody remained. Parai just drowned. He just sunk to the bottom of the Yamsuf. But we have to really give a second look to Parai through the eyes of Chazal. First of all, there is a fascinating Pirkadur Belazar. If anyone never opened up a Pirkadur Belazar, I think that you're making a very, very big mistake in life. Pirkadur Belazar is not a safer that you should go through your life without learning well, because it has the most fascinating medrashim, and there's the greatest commentary on the Pirkadur Belazar by the name of the Radal, the Pirish, the Birha Radal, Reb David Luria, uh, who is without a computer. He, you know, he lived hundreds of years ago. And every vart, every footnote that he writes on the Sefer is Ayam Benayra. He brings the most amazing Maramakaymes, uh, far and wide, marshalling sources that are incomprehensible without a computer, but he did it. So the Pirkei Devalazar always says something that shocks what you always thought was true. It always tells us something brand new that, uh, that, that is almost amazing, every line of the Pirkei Devalazar. So let's go through something that the Pirkei Derbelezer writes. It's really the same parak. It's two sources from the same parak, parak Mem Gimel and Pirkei Derbelezer. And he says something about Pari. It gives us a new, uh, a new entry into, the, into the, uh, the, life, the life of Pari. First of all, he says something that's quite remarkable. He says that when Klal Yisrael says in the Shira, in the Az Yashir, Micha Meicha Ba'elam Hashem, who is like you amongst all the powerful beings in the world, Hashem? Hashem, there's nobody like you. Micha Meicha, says the Pirkadur Belazar, Ba'ura'e mi Paramelch Mitzrayim, Shemar B'tzur Elyon Harbe Ma'id. Paramelch Mitzrayim rebelled against Hakadosh Baruch Hu in an extreme way. Shenemar mi Hashem Asher Eshma Bakaylai. Pari famously says the Apikursus that appears in the Torah. Who is God? Mi Hashem. I don't know this God. You keep coming to me and telling me about God. Mi Hashem. I don't know this God. Asher Eshma that I should listen to Him. That I should abide by His word. Who is this God that you Moses keep telling me about? So he uses the Lashon, Mi Hashem, Uva Oisai Lashon Shechata, that same Lashon, the same expression of Mi Hashem that he sinned with, Belashon, Bay Belashon Asa Tshuva. Parei Melech Mitzrayim actually did Tshuva with that same Lashon, Shenemar, Mi Chameicha Be'elam Hashem. Amazing. This thing that we say every day by davening, Micha Hashem, we say it as we get up for Shemayna Esrei um, every morning, we say it by, by Mayrev, we say it constantly, Micha Hashem, Micha Hashem is actually what was on the, on the Maccabim's uh, banner. Micha Hashem is actually the Rashi Tevis, Maccabi. The great Hanukkah miracle, really the rallying cry of Hanukkah is Micha Mechabelam Hashem. Who said Micha Mechabelam Hashem? Pirkei Durbelazer says this isn't Meisha of Neisrael. Meisha of Neisrael borrowed this praise that they may have heard from Parim Malach Mitzrayim. They incorporated a Lushan, an expression of Parim Malach Mitzrayim, into the Shira that was said by none other than 
Pare. Pare was the one that says, Micha Meicha. You know why he uses the Lashon of Micha Meicha? To atone for the Lashon of Mi Hashem Hashem Vakailai. The same Lashon that he used. Who is God? Mi Hashem? He was the one that did Shuva Hayam. And he says, Micha Meicha Beilam Hashem. You know, I said before, who is like you, O oh God? In the amongst all, I said, "Who is God? I don't know this God that you're talking about. I'm going to do tshuva with the same word, me." It occurred to me that you know there's a a, a famous vart of the Beis Halevi on this week's parsha that I think could really open up this Pirkei Belazar. The Beis Halevi says that there's a medrash Oz Yasher Meisha. Who then Meisha Rabbeinu sang with the word Oz, and Chazal tell us that Meisha Rabbeinu said. With the word Oz, I sinned against you. And with the word Oz, I'm going to sing to you Shira. When did I sin against you, Hashem? I said, Ki me Oz, Basi al I complained to you, Hashem, in the early days of my leadership. I kept on, I seem, it seemed like everything that I did was wrong. I kept messing up. The more I tried to go to, before Parai to redeem Klai Yisrael, he made the work harder, he, sa- he stopped giving straw to make the bricks, and Klai Yisrael were, were upset with me, and I said, May Oz, Basi al from then, from the time that I came to Parai, Heira Alam Hazad, then the people's lives have been gotten worse. I'm a horrible leader, I'm not fulfilling my mission. So with that, word that I used, Oz, may Oz Basiel Pari, from then that I started coming before Pari, I'm going to do tshuva, I'm going to use the word to say Shira, Oz, Yashir Maisha. Says the Beis Halevi, what does this mean? How do you understand this, Madrash? Says the Beis Halevi, a beautiful pshadi says that when a person goes through a very bad experience. Let's say a person, Rahman al-Islam, is very sick. So, and then he gets better. And you ask him, are you grateful to God that you got better? He says, of course I am. Would you rather have not gone through the sickness at all, or would you have rather have gone through the sickness, gotten better, and now have the opportunity to praise God? So the Beis HaLevi says, if a person answers, well, of course, I'd rather have not gotten through, gone through this whole thing altogether. I would have rather just, you know, stayed healthy the whole time. But now that I got sick and I got better, now I'll make a kiddush, I'll say thank you, Tashem. He says that that person missed the whole point. HaKadosh Baruch Hu sends the machala, HaKadosh Baruch Hu sends the sickness, HaKadosh Baruch Hu sends the tzara, so that you should be a witness to how great Hashem is. And when there's a tzara, you have to understand that HaKadosh Baruch Hu sent the tzara for, for a purpose, in order to, for you to be mefarsim, the Shem Hashem, to publicize God's name in bad times. And then when He sends the Yeshua, you have to publicize Hashem's greatness even in the Yeshua. And when a person has Yeshua, you're not just supposed to thank Hashem for the Yeshua, but also for the tzara, because were it not for the tzara, you would never have had the Yeshua, you would have never had the ability to be the instrument for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to show the world how great he is. When a person, Rachman Litzlan, goes through a tzara, I, I once, um, I think I spoke to a woman who went through cancer, and she survived, and she was so grateful, and she told so many people how great Hashem is, the miraculous recovery that she had. And I asked her, I said, did you, uh, are you, would, would you have gone through that again? Or would you have said, no, no, no. And she says, absolutely. She says, before I had that machla, and of course, we don't daven for machlas, but if it happens, you have to embrace it. Before I had this machla, I didn't, appreciate my children enough. I didn't stop to smell the flowers. I didn't, I didn't appreciate the sunrise and the sunset. I wasn't able to constantly be in touch with the Rabbi Shalom. Now that I had this, my life is altered altogether. It's not the same life. My life is so much better. And I would never have traded that experience whatsoever. I used to, you know, I, I had a Talmud in Yeshiva going back many years. And he was, 
he also was a cancer survivor. And he told me once his story. He said that he was a, a, an incredible athlete in high school. He, had, uh, he was very, very talented in, in many different sports. He was like the, the captain, I think, of his basketball team and the baseball team. He, had, he was multifaceted in sports. And he wasn't feeling well one day. He went to the doctor. They took an X-ray, an MRI. The doctor didn't like what he saw. And they went for, uh, to specialists. And they, they saw that there was Rahman al in his right arm of all places. That was his kayak. His whole kayak in life was his right arm. And... He, uh, they had surgery scheduled that in, in two months from then, his arm, his right arm would have to be amputated. Rahman al-Islam, this was his all, you know, besides for the, you know, how, how horrible that is, independent of anything. But for him, his whole covet in life was his, his athletic prowess. They went back a few weeks later. To, right before this, the, the scheduled surgery, they wanted to do further tests just to make sure that everything was the same. And they found that Rahman al-Islam, the, the cancer had spread throughout his entire body. And amputating the arm would have been useless at this point because, uh, you know, it was beyond the arm. It was mamish in his, all in his, it was throughout his body. And because of that, they didn't do surgery they didn't do the amputation. Instead, they decided that they would go very aggressively with chemotherapy, radiation. And he went through terrible, terrible yisurim nairaim, unbelievable yisurim. And because of that, Baruch Hashem, it was successful. He went into remission, and and he's still fine to this day. It was probably uh, 15, 20 years since, since that, Ill, that, that terrible day. And he stole Baruch Hashem, he got married, he has a family, he's doing phenomenally. And he told me that the worst day of his life really was the best day of his life. The worst day of his life was his best. That worst day that he was supposed to go into surgery, but, and then he found out on top of that, that, that the cancer had spread. Because of that, it was the best day. Hashem was in fact really sending Yeshua because as a result of the fact that the cancer had spread, they didn't amputate his arm. He was able to go into remission. Now he has all of his Ramach Ebar, Mishras Agidim. All because of the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu sometimes sent an incredibly extra dose of the Machla, but that should inspire a person when you have a Yeshua to sing Hashem's praises. And this Talmud sang, sung Hashem's praises constantly. I'm sure he still does. Says the Beis HaLevi, when you go through a terrible tzara, and then you go through a Yeshua from the tzara, the Yeshua, the Shira that you sing for the tzara, is not just on the Yeshua, because if you're just singing for the salvation, then that implies that you'd have rather not gone through the tzara, but you know, now that you went through it, thank God I had Yeshua. The Beis HaLevi says you learn from this Medrash, Meshach Rabbeinu incorporated the word Oz, the Shira was not just for Baruch Hashem, you got us out of this mess of Mitzrayim, but we thank you for every step of the Shibud. May Oz Basi Al that the worst part of the of the Tsara I'm praising you for as well. When we said Az Yashir Mesha of Yisrael on the Yam, we weren't just thanking Hashem for the Yeshua. But we were also thanking Hashem with the Kavana of May Oz Basi Al how bad was it? But thank God, because it was so bad, we have the ability to show the world how good you are. If we would have not gone through the Sheba of Mitzrayim, we would have been poorer for that. The fact that we went through the Tzara and HaKadosh Baruch Hu saved us, now the entire world was cognizant that there's a God in the world. And I think perhaps we can apply the same exact lambdas to Paray. Paray is saying, you know, I said... When I was deep into the Kfira of Mitzrayim, I said, Mi Hashem asher who is this God using Lush and me? I'm going to sing Shira to Hashem, Micha Mecha Beilam Hashem. I'm singing Shira, the Tshuva is not just now, the Tshuva is on everything that I've ever done. I want to have a second act. I want to do tshuva for all the bad that I've caused in life. Anything bad that I did, I want to somehow, someway undo. I said to Hashem, Mi Hashem, Hashem, I'm going to sing praises to the world. 
Who is like you, O God? There's no one like you. Because Parry understood this base Halevi that I'm not just singing praise to you right now when times, when, when, when things are right now, I'm going through tshuva, so I have to right away, you know, think about uh, right now. I'm thinking of going back to the actual Averis that I've done. I don't want to just now be a, a newly found person. I'm going back and I'm touching on every single point that I did wrong. And by doing so, there's an eschachus in the tshuva. The tshuva and the shira is not just now, but it really is going back for every stage of the way. Power understood that he has the unique ability to sing shira to Hashem precisely because who he was. When somebody is, uh, has done tremendous Averis and he does a public tshuva, that tshuva is so meforsome, it's so great, that it, 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 it almost undoes all of the bad that he did because of the fact that he has the ability to be mefarsim, the Shem Hashem Ba'ilam. Parah did tshuva. But it's not just that. The Pirkei Belazar continues, and it says that what happened to Parah was allowed Pare to survive. It says, until one person. There was one remaining survivor of those Mitzrim that drowned in the Yamsuf. He went under, says the Medrash Vayesha, there's a Medrash called Medrash Vayesha about the Yeshua of, 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 of Mitzrayim. It says that he stayed below the sea, 50 days, and then they brought him up, and he came out, and he lived to talk about it, and you know what happened to this Pare? Pare became the Melech of Nineveh. He became the ruler of the city of Nineveh, Nineveh, which is famous for Sefer Yaina, Sefer Yaina is the book that we read on Yom Kippur, by Mincha, and it's an incredible story, that Yaina Hanavi was sent to the city of Nineveh by Hashem to inspire them to do tshuva. And he didn't want to go. He did not want to go. He was afraid that the Gayim would do tshuva very quickly. It would be a, a very poor reflection on Klai Yisrael's inability to do tshuva. So he instead ran to the port of Yaffa and he got on a boat and, uh, and the ship, as we know, set sail. There were a lot of Eivdavidazar on this boat. And all of a sudden, the ship started t- tossing and turning. And even though all the other boats in the region were all nice and calm, but there was something clearly going on with this boat. Eventually, they drew lots. They realized that it was because of Yaina, that Yaina was uh, upsetting Hashem by not doing his mission. They threw him, of course, into the water, and then the water settled down. The boat survived. Yaina went down into the water. He was swallowed by a fish. The fish spat him up into another fish. It was very tight inside of the fish. In fact, Chazal say that the fish was a female fish, was very pregnant, and the, the pressure on Yaina was great. Yaina was in that fish's belly for a long time. He sang Shira from the belly of the whale, and then ultimately the belly of the whale spat him up. And where did he land? He landed on the beachfront of the city of Nineveh. And he said, okay, listen, Hashem, you win. I can't run, you, I can run, but I can't hide from you. And that was pretty much what his shir was all about. He goes into the city of Nineveh, and he starts walking through the city, and he starts telling people they have to do tshuva. And the Pasuk says, Vayaminu anshei ninvei belikim. Immediately, and this is what Yaina was so scared of, they believed, Vayaminu, they believed in whatever Yaina was telling them. If you look in the Balaturim, in this week's parasha on the words, Vayaminu ba'ashem uvamesha avda, it's parak yodalet pasuk laman alef, the Balaturim says, Bez, which means that there's two places in, in the Torah that it uses the Lashon of Vayaminu. Here, Vayaminu Ba'ashem and Parashas B'Shalach, that Klai Yisrael believed in Hashem by, by Kriyas Yamsuf. And the other time, Vayaminu Anshe Ninve Belikim. 
the people of Nineveh believed in Hashem. Now, whenever there is the same word used twice in, in Tanakh, that's very significant. That's what a lot of the Balaturim always deals with, trying to find these uh, common words throughout Tanakh, which is also incredible without a, a concordancia, without, a, you know, you have a computer program today, you type in Vayamino, you see how many entries come out. But he didn't have that. He didn't have that luxury of having, you know, that, that ability to do that. But he is able to figure out every single time it says the same word. And he didn't just figure it out. He made a, a kesher between these two words. So the Balaturim says that he brings this Pirkadur Belazar, which means there is only one survivor of Kriyas Yamsa, he went to Nineveh and he uh, became the king of Nineveh. This is what it means that they believed in God. The people in Nineveh, you know why they believed? They believed because they had a Messiah from their Melech. Parai Melech Mitzrayim was the king of Nineveh, and he was mashpia on the people that there's a God in the world, and that you have to believe in God. He really was a changed man, Parai. It's a, it's a complete Chiddush and, and understanding Parai. Parai, we always thought, is like the worst, most nefarious character in Jewish history, and, and he was, but he had a second act. He came back and he became the king of of Nineveh, and he, he inspired them to do tshuva. I was thinking that maybe the reason why they believed in the Nevoah of Yaina, of all people, was because Yaina, very similar to Parai, also went down to the sea and was able to survive and live and tell about it. And they said, they scratched it as a wait a minute. We heard a similar story before. Oh yeah, our king also had the same experience. He also survived being under the sea for 50 days or so, and he's talking about it. He tells us all about it. So we believe what you're saying, Yanni. You're not, you're not just uh, making this up. We know that there's truth to you. And so they believed him and they believed his message, which ironically shows that even though Yaina was trying to run away from Hashem, but that running away from Hashem was also part of Hashem's planning of making Ninveh do tshuva, ironically, Right? They were, this was something that you thought was not part of the plot. That Yaina was not supposed to run away, but the very act of defiance against Hashem running away was itself the reason he was helping Ninveh, in a sense, do tshuva. And then the Pasuk says that in, in Yaina, it says that they believed, and then... Parai, I mean, the king of Nineveh heard about it also and believed, and he was the one that riled them to do tshuva, which is interesting because it means when, when it says, Vayamino anshe Nineveh belikim, that they believed that was even before Parai, the Melech of Mitzrayim, had a chance to hear what Yainu was saying. Because Parai, Melech Mitzrayim, was so mashpia on his populace, he constantly told them that there's a God in the world, that the Jewish God is real. I saw it with my own eyes. I was the Melech of Mitzrayim, and I put them through terrible 210 years of Shebot, of Golos, and, and they survived, and I saw it with my own eyes, Kriyas Yamsov, it's real. And even before Parai heard about it in Ninveh, the people believed because he was Mashbia. The Radal that I spoke to you about before, this famous Pirish on, on the Pirkadur Belazar says, that there's a remez when the Pasuk says, When Hashem told Parah already in Egypt, I'm going to keep you alive, so that you see my power, and that you should tell over my name, my, my story to the whole world. So says the Radal, you know what the word Laman is, Rashi Tevis? Liyais Melech, Al-Ninveh. Laman. Saper Shemi B'chal When is power going to have this opportunity to tell over the greatness of Hashem? To say, Micha Meicha Be'elam Hashem? Liyais Melech Al-Ninveh. When he became a Melech Al-Ninveh, he had the opportunity to spread Hashem's name far and wide. And he did. He did this. 
it's an amazing new insight into Paray, but it's a new insight into the way Hashem views a human being and how the Torah views a view and how we have to view a human being. You never, ever can write somebody off. If Paray Melech Mitzrayim, the most evil person, and every child learns about how bad he was, how terrible he was, and, you know, and, and Paray in pajamas in the middle of the night, and how every, you know, every kid loves speaking about how evil Paray was, and he was. But the untold story about Paray is a beautiful one that Pare had a chance, even the wickedest person in, universe, in the universe had a chance to turn it all around and to be Mefarsim Hashem's name, to create a Kiddush Hashem, to be able to tell people, He survived Kriyas Yamsuf, he said, to undo the damage of he became the leader of Ninveh and he riled his people to do tshuva. An amazing turnaround, an amazing second act, an amazing comeback. And if we could learn this about Paray, if this is true about Paray, it's true for every one of us. No matter what we have done in our life, there is always a second act. There is always the ability to come back and be stronger and be better and to undo any damage and fakert, to be able to take anything that we've done wrong and to actually utilize that to be mekadeshim shamayim barabim. The greatest second act, I think, in Klal Yisrael, in the history of Klal Yisrael, somebody that did not have like a great first act, but yet was able to come back and, and, and do amazing things with his life was Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva was, the first 40 years of his life, not just unlearned, but he was an Amaretz in the sense that he hated Tamid HaChachamim. He was a person that really, he said about himself, I mean, you know, we wouldn't be say, saying this if he hadn't reported it about himself, that when I saw Tamar Chacham, I hated him so much that I said, li halavai, I should be able to have access to a Tamar Chacham. Let me have him privately in a room, and I want to bite into his leg like a donkey. This is Rabbi Akiva's quote. Quotable quote from Rabbi Akiva. And the Talmudim says, Rabbi, Rabbi, take it easy. Just say that you bite him like a, like a dog. Don't use a, 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 a chamar. Why, using, why, why would you call yourself? He says, no, no, I meant exactly what I said. Not just would I bite into him like, a, like a, a dog. A dog, you know, bites the mailman. All right, you know, you get a few stitches, not the end of the world. A chamar, when he bites into a, a leg of somebody, he, he, he completely pulverizes the leg. The bone is completely crushed by the, by the jaw of the, of the mule. That's the hatred that I had for a Tamil Chacham. I'm speaking accurately. That's how I felt every time I saw a Tamil Chacham. And then, miraculously, at 40 years old, he was able to have a turnaround. He did shuva. Rabbi Akiva is Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva is our Messiah of Tereshav Peh. Plain and simple. We would not have Tereshav Peh not for Rabbi Akiva. He was it. He was the Shalshalas HaMesayra. Everything rides through, runs through, flows through Rabbi Akiva. He did tshuva, and he had an, uh, an amazing second act. In fact, there's a, 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 an amazing Pasuk in Kaheles, Parakidal Pasuk Vav. Babayker Zerah Zarecha. In the morning, you should plant your seeds. Villa Erev, and at night, don't let your hands be lazy. Because you don't know which one will turn out good in the end, whether the earlier children that you have, the earlier seeds that you planted, or the later ones. Maybe both of them will be good. So look at Rashi and Kehelis, he says, if you learn Torah when you were young, don't stop. Continue learning Torah even when you're old. Don't think, okay, I had my yeshiva days and now I'm retired, now I'm a balabas, I don't have to do this anymore, now I could just, you know, go with the flow. No, you should never stop learning Torah. 
If you establish Talmidim when you were young, your second act could be even greater than your first act. You got married and you had children when you were young. You should get married to a woman that's young enough to, to bear you more children when you're older. If you gave tzedakah when you were young, do it when you're old. Because you don't know. Maybe it might be the children that you had when you were younger. Maybe it's only going to be able to remain the Talmidim that you have and the children that you have when you were older. Matzinim Rabbi Akiva, he says, Rashi brings Rabbi Akiva as a riot to this. But not Rabbi Akiva himself, not his own second act, but the second act that he was able, perhaps because he had a second act himself, he was able to go and be mailed more Talmidim later in life. The famous Gemara in Yavamas, he had 24,000 Talmidim throughout Eretz Yisrael. The Kulan Mesmi Pesach Vadatsaras may all die between Pesach and Shavuos. That's why we have Avelas during the Yimasvira. So what would you have done if you were Rabbi Akiva? You're already an older man. You made Yeshivas twenty-four thousand Talmidim, you were Maimed. You can imagine the Tyra that he gave over, the Shiram that he gave over, the love that he gave over. And then they all died within a few weeks, seven week period, they all died. Rabbi Akiva is now an old man. What's he supposed to do? If it was me, I'd say, listen, I'm, I'm just going to retire. You know, I'm going to go to, to, to Miami and I'm going to, you know, just hang up my, sh- you know, that's it. I, I, I'm, I'm done. I tried, you know, didn't work out for me so well. I'm, I'm done. That's what I think many people would do. Rabbi Akiva was resilient, not just with his own life, but with his Talmidim and with Klal Yisrael, with Tyra. And so what he did was, he found some people in the Dharam of Eretz Yisrael, Vishana Lahem, and he taught them, and we know the rest is history, he taught five people that would end up being the Tanoim and the Mamshiche HaMesaira, some say seven different Gersais, where there's five Talmidim that he reestablished, he reignited, I should say, or seven. And because of that, we have Tyre today. Without that resilience, without that commitment of Rabbi Akiva to a second act, we wouldn't have anything. We wouldn't be here today. There would be no Tyre in the world. And then he says also, as far as children is concerned, Rashi says, Matsina Ivtsan. Ivtsan is another way of, of calling um, Bayaz. He had 30 daughters, and he sent them out to marry sons, sons-in-law. Ushleishim Hevi Labanov, and 30 he brought in for his own sons, and meaning he had 30 sons, 30 daughters, he had 60 children. He married them all off, beautiful, everything was nice. Ubezik Nusay, Haylid Es Ayvev all those sons and daughters died. The last day that he was alive, he conceived with Rus. She got pregnant from that last night. And then they had Ivts, they had Ivad. Uh, Ivad was the grandfather of David Amelech, and the rest is history. We have the whole Malchus based David, we have Mashiach. Everything comes from that one night, all because Bayaz said, I'm not stopping. I'm not going to say, you know, all my children died, so I give up. You never give up. A yid never gives up. There's always a chance to turn around. There's always a second act. You never stop. A yid is never, ever miyayish. Never miyayish. You know, a more recent person that I, I think had an amazing second act um, in recent history, and he's really a historic figure, is Rabbi Uri Zohar. Rabbi Uri Zohar, um, he was, he was uh, I don't know if anyone even knows who he is, but he was, uh, when he was young, he was the superstar of Eretz Yisrael. 
he was, uh, you know, it, it's, it's very hard even to describe him because he was a, uh, an actor, but like not just I'm an actor, like the major actor in Eretz Yisrael. He was the major um, screenwriter in Eretz Yisrael. He made movies. He was a stand-up comic. He was, I think he was a songwriter. He was a producer. There was nothing that Orizar didn't do. He was an incredibly talented person. And he was the most secular of all Israelis. He made movies that, you know, he would never look at anymore himself because, and he doesn't because, and, you know, I think he even wanted to buy the rights to the movies so that he could destroy them because they were not exactly rated uh, G. And quite the opposite, he was, uh, you know, he was, but he was, he was very funny, he was very creative, he was brilliant, and he was talented. The whole Eretz Yisrael was in love with him. And one day he met a rabbi, I think he was at some simcha of some sort, and sitting next to a rabbi, I think it was a bris, but I'm not sure, and this rabbi started talking to him, and... Again, he was the biggest atheist in Eretzel. He had no interest in believing in God. He had no reason to believe in God. He was doing phenomenally. And, and this person started saying, if I could um, you know, convince you that there's Hashem, would you believe? He says, yeah, I would believe. I'm a, you know. And they started talking, and then they continued the conversation afterwards. And, and he began to see the Emes in Yiddishkeit. He began to like begin to... like He couldn't look away. He was as brilliant as he was... He was intellectually honest, and he couldn't hide from the truth. He wanted to. He had every reason to hide from the truth. You know, some people, you know, they have nothing else going for them, so, all right, you might as well become religious, at least, you know, maybe that'll be a, a lucky break for me. When a person has everything going for them, there's no reason, you, you know, you don't want to have any change in life. You want, you're very happy with the status quo. He had every reason not to be from he didn't want a second act. His first act was doing great. And one day he came onto the movie set or onto the, the television set and he had like tzitzis out. And people started laughing. Oh, you, you know, like hysterical. Okay, now take them off. You know, we're, we're about to start shooting. They didn't realize that he was becoming more religious. They thought he was just doing shtick because he was like the biggest prankster, the biggest shtick maker there was. So... He says, no, 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 this is, this is, I mean, this, you know, it was a little confusing. And then, basically, uh, he started wearing a yarmulke, and then he stopped, you know, appearing, and the whole country was, like, going crazy. This was, like, an, it was, it was unprecedented to have a person of this fame and this celebrity, and suddenly be giving it all away to say, Micha Meicha Be'elam Hashem. I read once in his in a, an autobiography that he wrote that, um, you know, he was once driving a car, and he was stopped at a. This is like at this transitional phase of his life. He was stopped at a tra at a at a stop sign at a red light, and um, there was a guy sitting next to him and looking at him, and he was looking back at at him, and he said, "Do I know you? Like, you know, what are you? What are you, Why are you looking at me?" And he said. All this Chiloni that was looking at Orizara said is like, how could you do this to us? How could you do this to us? You let us all down. Like all the Chilonim in the country were like, how do, you can't do this to us. And he just sped off. And that was like the sentiment. I think that really, you know, showed like what, what was going on in Eretz Yisrael at the time. It was a Mapechan. And what he did was, it was very difficult. I think eventually he was Makar of his wife, even though, you know, she was not so much on board, and uh, he became, he became the unprecedented um, face, the unequal, the unmatched face of Kirov in Eretz Yisrael. Whenever you have a Lev La'achim campaign, um, you know, which is like the, the Kirov campaign of G'dayli Yisrael in Eretz Yisrael, Ori Zahar is always the headliner. He's always, he's the face of Kirov because he personifies uh, the Kiev movement in Eretz Yisrael. And he, he's been learning for 40, 45 years straight. He learns and he gives shiurim. He became a Talmud Chacham. He goes and speaks in his Makarov people. And unbelievable. Unbelievable how a person could go and completely turn his life around. And it's not just that he turned his life around. 
it's like whatever he's doing now is being mefarsim Hashem Hashem ba'elam. This is the greatest form of 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 pirsim, of tshuva. If you had just been a regular person and, and then did tshuva, that would be amazing in and of itself. But the fact that the whole country sees that such a person that had such potential, such such talent, such such power was able to submit to the Rabbeinu Shalom, that's the ultimate triumph, that's the ultimate form of tshuva, that's the greatest second act that a person could do. That's why Zedainais, when a person does Averis, and then they do tshuva me'ava, the Zedainais are nasas kezachiyais. When you do tshuva, of all the bad stuff that we might have done, all the Averis that we did, you know what happens to them if we do tshuva me'ava? They become mitzvahs. What's the rationale for that? How does that work? Why would an Avera become be flipped over like an Othello piece to, to a mitzvah? Okay, you know, it's a one thing to say it becomes like, you know, you negate it. You, 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 you erase it. It becomes a mitzvah. When I, when I ate chazer, now it becomes a mitzvah that I ate chazer 10 years ago. How does that work? You know how it works? Because when you do tshuva, what you're doing really is pronouncing to the world that how wrong was I when I ate Chazer? How wrong was I when I did this and that Avera? I did every Avera in the book, but look, I was able to turn it all around, and I'm giving all of those Averas to you, Rabbi Nishlam. I'm showing you that I was able to triumph over my Sahara. Klal Yisrael sings Shira as Yashir Meisha to atone for the Me'az Basel Parei. Parei sings Shira Micha Meich Hashem to atone to be a Kli to be mefarsim shem Hashem ba'elam, and to ultimately be able to say micha mechavelam Hashem, he was able to atone for the mi Hashem Asher Eshman v'kaylei, and then he was able to go and actually implement that tshuva and spread it far and wide to the people of Ninmei that they should be so eager to do tshuva because they understood that there's a God in the world. We all have Averis in our life. And I know, I know that, you know, a lot of us are very haunted by Averis that we've done. And we think that, you know, that what I did when I was in high school, what I did when I was in Israel, what I did when I was, uh, you know, last night, the Averis that I've done are so strong, they're so insurmountable, they're so bad that, you know, I'm done. It's like Hashem has no, I'm never going to be a Ben Tire. I'm never going to be an Adam Gadol. I'm never going to be anything worthy because look at where I came from. I came from such a bad place that I can't turn it around. Never going to get a second act in a positive way. What we learn from today is that not only can we turn it around, but the second act will be so much greater precisely because of the first act. Anything that we may have done in our life, good, bad, or ugly, where you have the chance to learn from, to take lessons from, and to make ourselves so much greater as a result of. We always have a chance to do tshuva, and the tshuva, the whole concept of tshuva, is built upon the fact that I am going to do so much with my life precisely because of what I've done wrong. When you don't do anything wrong, then that's good, but you can never really become as great, I think, as a person that understands bad and is able to now turn it all around and say, Hashem, I know the bad side and I'm going to be amazing. I think the greatest teachers, the greatest leaders, are people that are able to inspire, not just because they were always perfect, but sometimes when you share certain things about your past that you've gone through, other people find inspiring. They find inspiration in that because you're not, you didn't have like a lily white background. Not everything was always perfect. And that, obviously we have to do tshuva for things that we do bad, but you should understand that it's precisely those things that we're going to become great from. Rav Huttner writes about this in one of his famous letters uh, that we've said about a million and one times already about how a person wrote him, a, a Talmud wrote him and said that, you know, 
I slipped up terribly, I did a terrible Avera, and I, alas, I thought I was going to be a Gadol, now I see that it's all lost, I'll never be a Gadol, because how could I do such a thing, whatever that Avera might have been, and Rav Hunter says, I don't know what you're talking about, it's just exactly the opposite. He says, you think that a Gadol is a person that just sits on main Menuchai, sits by tranquility, and learns, and davens without a Sahara? He says, no. He says, a real Adam Gadol is somebody that has a Sahara, that does battle with his Sahara, and that maybe even loses battles with his Sahara sometimes, but ultimately triumphs. When you triumph, that is your greatest second act. He says the famous word, Sheva Yipal Tzadik Vakam, the Pasuk in Mishlei, a Tzadik falls down seven times Vakam and he gets up. So he says, foolish people understand that Pasuk to mean that a Tzadik is resilient. He falls down seven times and he dusts himself off and he still is able to get back on the horse and ride off into the, into the, into the sunset. He says that's not the Pshat in the Pasuk. Sheva Yipal Tzadik Vakam. You know where the Kima, you know where the, the, Ascent of a tzaddik is rooted in, it's rooted in the Sheva Yipal. It's because the tzaddik fell, and the tzaddik was nichshal, and the tzaddik had, had, has what to atone for, and understands, that he's, he's looked the Yitzhara in the eye, and he's dealt with the Yitzhara, and he's, and he's fought with the Yitzhara, and he's wrestled with the Yitzhara, and he's struggled with the Yitzhara. That is not a reason that he is down and out, his kima comes from that. His greatness lies in that. When you're able to do battle with the Yitzhahara, and then you're able to find a peace and a tranquility and a tshuva and turn things around, that's precisely when a person is going to be able to really um, find who he is and to be inspiring to others, and to be able to be marbek v'shamayim in the world precisely through that. There's no one in this generation, I think, that is a greater Kiddush Hashem, is a greater teacher to the power of, of turning things around than Uri Zohar. Now, obviously, you don't try to do this l'chatchila, you don't say, okay, great, so I, I get the message, I'm going to really be a, you know, do terrible things, and you know, go off the derech, and then I'll come back. No, 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 it doesn't work that way. But, whatever you've done in the past is so redeeming and it's so motivating when you're able to turn that around and go forward. If Paramelech Mitzrayim is able to do it, Laman Hashem, we're not able to do it. We can't use our chesreinahs, we can't use the moments of weakness in our life that we stumbled and we've asked ourselves, Mi Hashem, Asher Hashem Vekailai, why do I have to listen to God? I'm going to do this over I'm going to do that over I'm going to go here, I'm going to go there, and I'm going to ignore Hashem. We do that all the time. But if we do that and Paru is able to say, ultimately, Mi Hashem, then we, like Paru, we're no different than Paru. We're a, a million times greater than Paru today we also are able to take everything that we've done wrong and instead of getting down and out and depressed and meyuish about it, we have to look forward to a brighter tomorrow and say, I'm going to use the very things that I did wrong and I'm going to learn from my mistakes. That's the beauty of being a Yid. That's the beauty of being a Yid. We're finishing a, a very difficult zman. It was a good zman, but then you know we had to you know sort of cut it short because of COVID again. We were zeicha to siat deshmaya that we're able to stay open a lot longer than a lot of other yeshivas. So we have to be grateful to Hashem for that. But now we find ourselves back at home, and hopefully we'll be able to reunite in person at the beginning of the coming zman abalin l'tayva. But we don't know. We don't know what's going to be. And I know, I know that being at home is very difficult. It's extremely challenging. And I know it's hard to, you know, to, to wake up for davening, feel a bit sibor. And I know that it's hard to learn every day when you don't have a miscarriage of yeshiva. You don't have a structure of a yeshiva in the star. It's hard even when we're in yeshiva, let's be honest. But when we're home, it's a whole nother level of challenge. 
And I know it's very hard to have Shmira Seinayim. It's very hard to rise to the challenge of not using technology inappropriately. It became so a part of our of our life that you know it's in, we're inseparable in a certain sense from it. Unfortunately, many of us. But we have to understand that if we're strong and we're able to take inspiration from these personalities throughout history, whether it's power, whether it's Rabbi Akiva, whether it's Ori Zohar, whether it's people that we know in our own lives that have done tshuva. And I know many people that are, are really amazing bali tshuva that are, that are so inspiring People that literally, you know, could have done any Avera and they could have had any lifestyle that they chose, but they came and they found Yiddishkeit and they're steiging in base matters and they're steiging in life. Unbelievable. Mamish, unbelievable. These are personalities that we have to be inspired by. We have to use every ounce of strength and courage that we have to make sure that our second act is amazing. Don't ever count yourself out. Don't ever say, ah, you know, he's talking to the next guy on the screen. It's not me he's talking to because I'm, he doesn't know what I did and he doesn't know how bad I am. He doesn't understand my Yetzar. My Yetzar my is bigger than anyone in the room's Yetzar at any given time. Anyone ever say that to themselves? I know I say that to myself sometimes. Like nobody understands people's yetsaharas. People have have cre- every every person with their own specific yetsahara, but everybody has their own unique yetsahara that they're all struggling with, and nobody can understand anyone else's yetsahara. But you understand your own yetsahara, and whatever the yetsahara is, if you're able to be miskaber over it then regardless of whatever you may have done or may have thought about doing in the past, the amount of Kiddushim Shamayim that you have potentially to express and to bring to the world is so overpowering and so overwhelming that you have no idea. You have no idea. There's a Chazal that says, Uparay Hikriv. Parai came near Klal Yisrael in this week's parsha, and they were, Klal Yisrael were petrified. Chazal say in Shema Yisrael, Chaf Aleph Hey, you know what it means of Parai Hikriv? Shehikriv es Yisrael l'tshuva sh'asim. Parai was makriv, Parai was the greatest makariv. Upara Hikriv, Parai was in the Kira, was, the, was a pioneer in the Kirav movement. Upara Hikriv, Parai was the one that was makariv Klal Yisrael to do tshuva. But not just as we always thought that because he came and he was so he 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 made Klai Yisrael so scared of him that they did tshuva. That's also true. But today we learn the real reason that Parai was makriv. The Parai was makariv Klai Yisrael to do tshuva. You know why? Not because of what happened at the Yam, but what happened after the Yam. How Parai had a second act like no other. Hapar went from being a Melech Mitzrayim, nefarious, evil, scheming, diabolical, the worst enemy that Klai Yisrael could ever have pictured, and suddenly he goes and he becomes the hero of the story of Yaina. He becomes the person that when we say, Micha Mecha it should inspire us. Who made this up? Who said Micha Who composed Micha Mecha It was Parai. Parai, and when he said it, it had teeth, it had real, it, it means something, because Parai was the one that said, me, Hashem, Hashem, so Parai has the believability, the, the street cred, to be able to say, somebody that's so far off that could say, we could trust, and we could believe, and we could be inspired, when he says, Parai should be the source of us, doing tshuva ourselves. If Parra could have such an amazing second act, imagine what our second act could be. Understand your Yetzirah. Appreciate the Yetzirah. Don't like hide it. Don't, don't, don't sugarcoat it. If we have a Yetzirah, and we all do, we have to deal with it. We have to own it. And then the more we're able to miscabra over, we decide, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to give in. I know it's hard. I know that I have so... Somebody just told me the other day in Yeshiva, I was very disappointed. He came over, it was like during final study week, 
and he was still here. We had Baruch Hashem, a very nice island in yeshiva, um, you know, for davening and, and you know, learning, and uh, not in the base Medish, elsewhere in the building. But um, he said, Rabbi, I'm so bored. I'm so bored. I said, what do you mean you're so bored? He says, well, you know, I, I know the material already, finals. I'm just here, I'm like in a holding pattern. I'm so bored. I said, you can't say that. You don't have the right to say that I'm so bored. A yid should never be able to say we're so bored. There's always things to do. A yid always, life is so precious. If you don't have a geschmack in learning, and not everybody has, but still learn. And the more you push through and you learn, you'll be so proud of yourself. If you learn for half an hour every day in Ben Azmanim, I'm not talking about the Masmidim that can learn more. Obviously, if you can learn 10, 20 hours, that's amazing. I'm talking about the, 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 the you know, regular mortals amongst us. If you weren't going to learn and you're pushing yourself to learn a half an hour, an hour, two hours, whatever it is that you feel is, 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 is manageable for you, I'm telling you, your day will be so gishmak. The rest of the day, if you learn in the morning, the rest of the day, whatever you do, you're going to play ball, you're going to play hockey, you're going to you know, go on a trip, whatever you do, it's going to be so gishmak because you learned. Don't say you're bored. If you're, if you're not able to learn so much and you have more free time, so go visit a hospital or go, uh, I don't know, do chesed with somebody, make a, make a, get some friends together, make a kumzit, make a tish, do something. Never say you're bored. There's so much to do. Life is so precious. Read a sefer, read a biography about a gadol. Go visit your grandparents. Go call your grandparents. Go, you know, uh, write something. Uh, do something. Don't be bored. Because boredom is the root of Averis. When a person is bored and depressed, then it, it brings to terrible tumma. So Mishnah Pirkei that that the Shimam, if a person is just bored, it brings Lidei Avera. When we're bored, we're gonna, what are we going to do? If we're bored, okay, yeah, you're looking at four, ten hours a day of nothingness, you're going to start going online, you're going to go to YouTube, you're going to go to this and that, and, and before you know it, you're going to be doing terrible things. I'm imploring you, make a schedule every day for Ben Azmanim. Your second act, you have no idea how when you turn things around, how amazing your life will be, how amazingly fruitful, how the what what lies ahead of you is so powerful, is so important. Mirz Hashem, you'll get married and you'll have a family and you'll have a, a community and you'll have... But you have to spend every day now fortifying your Yiddishkeit and making sure that you're not letting the ball drop. And when you do that, you're going to be so... You're going to feel so good about yourself. That's going to be the first step to turning everything around. I'm not saying that anyone has to show them is bad. I'm, uh, sounds like I'm talking to a group of like uh, you know uh, people in jail over here that have done horrible crimes. I don't mean to say that. I don't mean chas v'shalom. You're all b'nei ter. If you're online right now, if you're on Zoom with me right now, that means you're the elite of the elite. But we all have Saharas, and we're all, if we're home, and we're bored, and we have nothing you know, major to do today, we know what we're going to do. We know it. It's just, it's, it's obvious. And we have to fight that. We have to push back against that. And when we do that, we're able to come back to the new Zman in Hashem, whenever that will be. Hopefully it'll be the first day of the Zman. And we'll be able to say, wow, I had such a strong Ben Azman, I'm gonna. that's going to be the booster rockets that's going to get me through the entire year. And when we come back, we're going to fortify ourselves here. And we're going to make an amazing Zman here together. And we're going to you know, stay for a lot of Shabbosim. And we're going to stay for, come to Night Seder and Shacharis and, and First Seder. It's going to be Gavaldic. But it starts with the Bein Azmanim. It starts with the Bein Azmanim. When the Bein Azmanim is good, you should rest, you should relax. But also you have to accomplish. There's so much to do. There's so much positive to do and to, and to think about and to misspine it and to, and to plan. Your, your futures are so exciting. Build on it. Grow. Allow yourself to be inspired by Paray. O Paray Hikriv. Paray should be the, the semel of, of what I could be. Paray could turn it around so a million times, Alachas Kama Vakama. I could turn everything around. If I'm, if I'm holding here, but I'm being held down because of my Yitzhahara, boy, oh boy, what I could be when I am able to, to completely 
squash my Yetzirah. Wow, I, I, the, the sky is the limit. I'm, I'm incredibly, incredibly proud of each and every one of you. I have a tremendous love for each and every one of you. I'm excited for your future. I'm excited to get closer to you, Mitzvah Hashem, as the years go by. Uh, if anyone's going to be, by the way, in Miami uh, on, on Sunday, we're having a, a, making a, a, a Tuba Shvat Tish um, at a Talmud. We're having a lot of alumni down there. It should be, uh, I have Talmudim that Baruch Hashem for 20 years that they were learning in Yeshiva 20 years ago, and I'm still close to them. And I want to still be close to you in 20 years, Mitzvah Hashem. Um, but it's exciting times. We're living in, in crazy times, but chaotic times, but where there's chaos, there's tremendous opportunity. And the, the future that lies ahead for each and every one of you is so bright. But now is the time to be able to really work internally when you're not in yeshiva and you don't have the finals, you don't have all the bahala and the studying and all the, the distractions. Now you have time. What are you going to do with that time? Are you going to use it wisely to think and to learn and to daven and to get closer to the Rabbi Shalom and to your family? And, and to, or are we going to use it for the, other, for the other means? Let's be strong. And let's really fortify ourselves during this Bein Azmanim. Let's really try to make, uh, to make up with ourselves a schedule every day, a Seder Ayayim, to be strong, to do the right thing, to, be, to have a Gishmaka Bein Azmanim. And then Amir Hashem will be able to convene once again uh, in a few weeks from now. We'll be stronger, we'll, be, we'll feel amazing about ourselves and amazing about uh, our bright future that lie ahead of each and every one of us.